I'm Robbie Burns. And I'm Craig McClellan, and this is the Class Nerd Podcast. Connecting teachers to the productive world of apps. So, hey, Craig. Robbie, it's good to talk to you. It's great to talk to you, too. Uh, it's been a little while. I know, we've only heard each other's voice via walkie-talkie. Um, we'll get into that in a little bit. Otherwise, it's just been text messages. So it's, it's kind of fun to actually hear you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I read every text message we've shared back and forth with each other in your voice, if that makes you feel any closer to me. <laughs> I'm glad. I, I did not do that. Um, so, uh, some, some things have happened. Uh, we're, well, we're, we've had some Apple events, uh, and we've had a couple weeks of school, and I've had a couple weeks of school under my belt with students actually in the room. Um, you've, you've been deep in it for, for a month or more now, so. Yeah, somehow uh, I'm almost done with the first quarter of the school year. I don't even understand that. I think I've got two weeks left, so it's, it's already flying. Yeah, I, in some ways, I feel like uh, we're in it now. Of course, in the band world, we're like still in that phase where uh, I'm like renting out instruments to people who are switching and like filling out concert attire order forms. So it feels still like a little fresh, but you know, we're getting into our routines. Um, I guess we should explain what we're doing here because this is not part of a normal semester of the Glass Nerd podcast, if you will. So. Uh... We're calling this an extra credit episode, and we just wanted to talk about some of the stuff that's been going on with Apple before we get into a new semester of classroom productivity and apps and good stuff like that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, and we're like a week and a half later than all of those other podcasts that if you really like if you want Apple news, you probably shouldn't really be listening to our show <laughs> like right this is this is not the hot takes podcast no and it most certainly not like if you are the kind of person who subscribes to you know like the 20 uh different apple podcasts in that whole circuit um like there are tons of people whose opinions on apple probably are more worth your hour commute or less to school than ours but we're the class nerd and the nerd is the emphasis in this episode. We just really want to talk about this stuff with each other. And if you want to join us for the ride, we're going to go through... Uh, I guess we're going to talk really briefly about the Apple hardware event, though we don't have too much to say about that. And then we're going to talk about the recent release of WatchOS 5 and iOS 12. Yeah. So, like Robbie said, we are... Um, the, the hardware event... It was fine. I don't know that I actually watched any of the video. I kind of was following along with live blogs and stuff. Um, I just kind of had my iPad set to the side while I was teaching and every 10 minutes or so would look down and see, okay, there's a new iPhone. Oh, that new watch looks pretty. Um, but other than that, I didn't even really go back and watch it later. Um, it's It's much more an iterative event than uh than one that is revolutionizing things i'm in the same boat i usually do go back and watch the event when i get home from work and i, I just didn't really feel the need to this time around it's uh it is an iterative event and i think i texted you and we kind of bounced back and forth you know i was like i'm bored <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you reassured me that this is nothing that hasn't been done before and it's not i mean apple iterates 
you know, on their products once they've sort of gotten them into a groove. And I think we're especially seeing that with the iPhone, that it is just a product. Like, how much can you do to a smartphone every year? I mean, last year's jump was like we jumped into the future of the phone. I guess the cool thing about the the new phones is that probably a lot more people are going to get to experience them now because more people who do like a two- or a three-year upgrade are going to be buying one of these new iPhone 10s. Um, yeah, but I guess the the general gist of it is like my my only boredom with the Apple event was simply that I think it was a lot of song and dance for iteration. Like I didn't feel the need to go back and watch all two hours of the like AR demos that I missed while teaching. Yeah, um, and I think you and I were both kind of hopeful for – I'm really excited about the possibility – and it still looks like it's coming in October, maybe sometime, but a new iPad Pro, um, you know, maybe with smaller bezels. I'd love to replace my 12.9 inch with another 12.9 inch that is that still has a significantly smaller footprint because right now I live the multi-pad lifestyle mostly so that I um, – can have one that is smaller and I can walk around and hold in my hands as I'm in my classroom and another one that I keep on my desk. And if that was the same device, it would be amazing. So I'm hopeful for that still. And I know you're pretty hopeful for a Mac mini maybe next month. Is that right? It's iffy. I mean, it's, it's one of these things where I keep telling myself, I don't need to have the newest Apple everything. I don't need to have the newest Apple everything. And then I somehow end up with the newest Apple everything. Uh, We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm I, I'm on the iPhone upgrade program, so it, at this point, I, I'm gonna if I get too far without an upgrade, I'm gonna start paying payments on a phone that I could just as easily trade in for the new phone. So I'm gonna go hold the new phones today in the store. It's Saturday, the day after they shipped, and I'm, I'm gonna see if the big one is gonna be okay for me, and I, I might I might go there. Um, and the watch is extremely tempting to me because I really like lots of little health sensors and I really, really want that sweet new watch face. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm i with you. And I keep seeing all the reviews of the watch and a bunch of people I know on the internet are getting them and posting pictures. And I just got a Series 3. My Series 3 is like a year old today. You know, like I got it in the mail today, a year ago, and it is a great watch. I love this watch, but right now I hate this watch and I want a new one. <laughs> I know. I know. That's how it works. That's how it works. And I, I'm going to, if I'm waiting, if there's no new iPad, which I will be shocked if there's not, I may have to get a watch, but, um, but I really want a new iPad. That's my priority. And if you're like me, you make a teacher's salary and uh, you can't really afford to buy and the, the watches are getting more expensive. I'm sure the iPads will be more expensive and, you know, so it I'm going to have to pick and choose my watch and my iPad because I will be very tempted by an iPad, too, if one is announced. Um, but, you know, they're the two Apple devices in my life right now that are actually running the most reliably and that really uh don't from at least from a speed performance perspective don't really need to be upgraded so i'm wondering like i i totally get the small ipad hold it in your hand walk around feel because i mean as a 12.9 inch ipad user first gen i'm kind of in that same boat where i just really miss reading on it you know just kind of like sitting it on my lap uh on a couch 
but I, I also really feel like it's performing. Uh, like I get a little lag when I tap a button every now and then, but are you at a point where you feel like your older of your two iPads is performing under uh, underperforming? I should say. No, the main two things for me are the size and you know the first gen iPad. You can't interact with the app that's in SlideOver and the apps underneath it like you can on the newer ones. And that is a big frustration because I do have a 10.5 inch that can do that. I forget sometimes when I'm using the bigger one and it drives me crazy because it's different. Um, now, is that a reason to buy a new one? No. Um, but also, like, part of my thing, like, I'm a iPad only person and it's kind of part of, like... Like part of me also like I really enjoy talking, being able to talk about it. And when people ask me questions, I like knowing about the new iPads. Like it is fun for me and something that I enjoy. So that that's not an insignificant part of it for me. I get it. I get it. So what when you say you can't interact with the slide over app, you're talking about when you have two apps open on your screen and then you slide over a third one. You're yeah, saying that. You can't interact with the ones underneath the slide over as oh my well. Goodness, you can do that on the newer iPads. Yes, you can. Oh, now I want one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you don't know what you're missing, and it's because I have a 10.5 that can do that, and then I go and get on this 12.9, and I'm like, this is stupid and old. Okay. Um. Yeah. That that makes sense. I. <laughs> Yeah, using two iPads seems I, – I get why you do it, but it's hard for me to imagine, you know, I don't know. Well, I keep a Mac and an iPad, kind of the documents and the, and the apps all in sync with one another. So I, I guess it's not insane to think about managing two iPads, especially since you don't really use a Mac. That brings me, to, by the way, to your, your question you were leading on to is uh, would I get a Mac at the potential – later event this year and I, I think the bottom line is like i if if i am if the temptation of the watch wins me over uh and or the temptation of a new ipad wins me over i, I don't think i'm getting a mac mini i i am i will say i am running a 2008 mac pro right now um that i run just some server stuff on like plex and um i run a homebridge server on it for my, some of my home to make some of my home uh, automation devices work with Apple's HomeKit, um, but honestly, it it still does the job for that. The only bummer is that I did that hack from a few years ago where you install Sierra on it, even though it's not supposed to run Sierra, and that hack potentially uh, borks the Wi-Fi card. And sure enough, and I knew what I was getting myself into, but I'm I was being a major tinkerer in that moment. And uh, yeah, I have to now put that in my living room so that I can plug directly into our router because yeah, it does not have a Wi-Fi card anymore. So I hate that part of it, but I'm not going to buy a Mac mini just to solve that problem. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, we've talked about even hypothetical hardware a fair amount. Um, Let's and I know that you're interested in getting a new watch. For me, who's probably not going to get a new watch, let's talk about watchOS five because I did get some new features on my current watch this week. One of the features that I would love to talk about first is this new auto workouts feature. Um, this is something that 
is one of a few new activity-based and workout-based features. And this is something that I think has been a long time coming. It's the, uh, the idea that if you start a workout or if you finish a workout but you forgot to launch that workout type from the app itself then Apple will suggest to you either during your workout or at a later time, hey, were you just doing a walking workout or were you just doing a running workout? And it will actually save all the heart rate and calorie data uh, from that workout. So I actually got to experience this firsthand on purpose, of course. Uh, I'm thinking like, I'm going to be proactive and try this feature. So I start my run. Mary and I are running. And sure enough, like not more than about a minute into the run, are you running outdoors right now? And I said, well, yes, I am. So I tapped it, thinking, uh, what a good tester I am. I'm going to talk about this on our extra credit episode. Uh, but I won't need this feature because I'm always on top of it. Fast forward one hour later, I'm sitting down for dinner. Totally forgot to stop that workout. And the Apple Watch pings me. Seems like you've been sitting for a little bit. Would you like to end your running workout? And so I did. Nice. Yeah, I have not experienced this, mostly because since the watchOS 5 update, uh, we have been in a competition, which we're going to talk about in a minute. And so I've been trying to be very precise with my logging of my workouts. Um, But I have definitely in the past, especially forgetting to stop them after a workout. So uh, I'm excited to have this feature. Is that where you got those extra 30 points last night is from you starting your workout precisely on time? Um, no, uh, at the last minute, my stand, I got more stand points at the last minute and it gave me a few more points. I, I've stood up many hours yesterday. We should talk about what this is. We're arguing over. Okay. All right. So you can now do fitness and health competitions with your, uh, with your friends and you and I have been, since we started doing this podcast, probably even before that, uh, sharing our activity with each other, but now you can challenge each other to week long challenges. And I am currently destroying you, maybe not destroying, but I have worked out today and you haven't. So it does look like I am significantly ahead of you. Uh, but we're pretty, we're pretty close. I'll be honest. Um, we're pretty close. The way that it works, and um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to um, the Mac Stories review of WatchOS 5, um, because this is the only reason that I understand how these work. There is a total of 600 points that you can earn in a day. And every and it's based off percentages of each of your three goals. So let's say that in a day I perfectly get exactly 100% of my move ring, 100% of my exercise ring, and 100% of my stand ring, and no more, no less. That would be exactly 300 points. And then anything above that in each of those categories will continue to accrue up to 600 points for the day. And it's based on percentages. So if you get less in one category and more than another, it'll still give you points up to 600. And I I don't know exactly how it works, but that's the gist of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Actually, that makes more sense than the Mac Stories article because you sent me to it and maybe I was just, you know, having a moment, but (laughs) I was kind of scrolling through it, skimming through it. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, 
And now that totally does. At least you presented it more efficiently than text on a page can. But yeah, that that's totally making sense. Hey, I'm kind of proud of us now that we're each getting like 600-ish points a day. That's cool. Yeah, uh, there's one day that you didn't, and then I didn't yesterday, but I still... <laughs> I went for a run in the rain last night after my children went to bed just so I could keep my total points for the challenge ahead of yours. And I didn't get all the way to 600 points, but I had to get out and get a few more points to where I knew that you could not... Because you were going to get 600. And so I was like, okay, if I put 600 on his, his max score for the day is going to be this. So I've got to at least be higher than that. This is my illness. I'm super competitive. <laughs> Um, but it got me outside to exercise. So I guess it's not terrible. Yeah. I think that's exactly what Apple wants with this feature. They, they want people working out. They want people to feel like the watch is a device that encourages them to work out. And in this case it did. Yes. Yeah. So are you going to, are you going to get out there and work out today? I feel like I have to be a little more secretive about my workout plans now if I'm going to win, but yes, (laughs) I am going to go for a run later this afternoon. Uh, however, I will. It's Saturday. Um, our only other plans today are to, like I said, go to the Apple Store, and then we are going to a party later tonight. So I don't think I'm going to be moving a ton, unfortunately. Right. That's that's my concern. Like I've already. I'm currently. I'm looking at my watch for the day. Right now, I have 325 points. I've more than closed my. Um, exercise and move rings, but my stand ring, because it's only 10 in the morning for me, um, I I don't have that many hours. So, you know, I've got, I've definitely got potential to get more in the stand ring, but like, I'm going to sit around and watch some football today and that's okay. So it, we'll see what happens. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll average out in the end. Uh, or maybe I'll put my points just above yours and you'll be uh, doing a little more than watching football later today. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. We are, we're slowing up on this. Um, so I, I, let's get through the rest of the watch. Cause I've got a lot that I want to talk about with iOS. Um, the next feature is walkie talkie and you are literally the only person um, that I have walkie talkie with. I have requested that my wife walkie talkie with me and she has not accepted my invitation. Um, so I, I don't know what that says about our marriage, but, um, it's super fun. I mean, basically like I can send you a quick me- voice message and you have to set yourself as available. So I don't have myself as available for walkie talking while I'm teaching. Um, so you can't disrupt my class, but when I do set myself to available, then you and I can just chat like we're on an old walkie talkie and it's super fun. And I have no idea why and why we do that over dictating into a text message or just talking on the phone, but... Uh, it's the same reason that a regular walkie-talkie is fun. I mean, That's come on. That's true. That's true. I, I don't need to explain that. I got, I got for the first year, I, I did not last year have a duty. I hope that my principal doesn't listen to the show because uh, he would not like knowing that I did not have a duty. But hey, no one assigned me a duty last year. Um, that being said, I did, you know, still do one. I stood in the hallway near the band room. So that's technically a duty, just unassigned. Sorry, I'm like, apologize. He doesn't listen to the show. Chris, if you're there, I work really hard, man. Give me a break. I didn't have a duty last year, and I didn't tell anyone. But I stood at the band room at the end of every day. Oh, my gosh. Edit this out. So this year, I have a, a bus duty at the end of the day. And so I'm kind of like 
complaining about it to the choir director who also has done bus duty for the past few years. And he's like, really, it's not that bad. It's, it's fine. It's fun. You get to see a lot of the kids. And, and I'm like, no, I just don't want to do it. And then he hands me a walkie talkie and he says, by the way, you're going to need this. And I said, what? I, (laughs) I get a walkie talkie for bus duty. And he's like, yeah, you have to be able to communicate with administration in the front desk. And I'm like, oh, I am so in this. And I take it and I'm like, 10, four cover, uh, (laughs) like doing all the stuff. And he's like, no, you can't, you can't do that. But so anyway, walkie talkies are fun, man. They're fun. Yeah. So this is a, not a feature that is necessary in any way, but it's a lot of fun. I don't know. I can imagine using it like on a road trip in a carpool or like if you're with a bunch of friends out and about. I don't know. I can, I can see it as being useful, but definitely like it's it appears that you can only talk to someone if they're marked available in the app. So you definitely have to kind of go in. It's like setting the channel with a group of people on a set of walkie talkies. Like you can't just sort of talk to anyone at any time. No. Um, well, I have been unavailable, and I've gotten a notification saying, hey, you're unavailable, but Robbie wants to talk to you. And I've been like, oh, I can talk, and then I set myself to available. So that does happen. Oh, interesting. I wonder if I – yeah, I must have triggered that by trying to – by hitting the talk button. That's interesting. I'm still kind of figuring out the way things work. I I have – I actually – the orchestra director at my school turned it on with me, and he said he tried to ping me this morning, but I was – uh, unavailable or was available but didn't get his message but i do recall distinctly hearing a bleep bleep sound this morning just no voice right after it so i i guess you can't talk to someone but you can notify them i'm not i don't know i don't i don't know how being marked available or unavailable affects whether or not your voice just comes directly through the watch or not yet yeah yeah uh we'll see talk to me about the uh the siri watch face uh <laughs> This is the feature that I was most looking forward to of all the software updates coming out this fall. Um, and it just turns out that it's not quite looking the way we thought it would. So the Siri watch face is a watch face for the Apple Watch where it basically rounds up a bunch of different Apple apps and the data from them all into one sort of like timeline-based grid, which is based on predictive like apple trying to predict how you use the watch so like if you have a calendar event at one an alarm at two um another calendar event at three and then like it's the sunset at seven like it'll show you all of those things in a timeline based order that you can scroll through back and forward through time using the digital crown of the watch so this is a huge we're going to probably podcast uh, like an episode about this later in the second season or or beyond but like just like the use case of this for a teacher who is just constantly in motion and needs to have a quick way to keep their life in order like this has been a huge productivity boost for me to be able to have my current class start and end time show up but then the next thing that shows up on the watch is the alarm to end class early because you know band kids have to have a few minutes to pack up and Uh, then like having my next class show up and then, so anyway, the, the thing that changed about the Siri watch face and watch OS five is that now third party apps can 
put their information on the watch face. So the way I was thinking this would work in a perfect world is that now OmniFocus or another task management app would be able to take the due dates of your tasks and kind of just fit them into the timeline where they go. So if now if I have a task due in between period three and period four, that would show up exactly in the watch face app as it is due. So if I'm like kind of, you know, busy and someone emails me and I start getting into that and then I lift up my watch to see the time, I'll notice, oh, yeah, this is a task I'm supposed to be working on in this little window of time. You get the idea. Um, So I install the watch. Days, first hours, then days go by and uh, I am only getting third-party information on my watch face from the Carrot Weather app, which, by the way, is awesome and they deserve so much credit for making a really good implementation of the Siri watch face, which I'll get to in a second. Like their data, their user interface and design of the cards that show up on the watch face is so much more informative to me than the Apple weather. Um, It shows up more frequently than Apple's weather. So I'm always able to at least scroll up or down a couple cards to see what the weather is. Uh, You actually in the settings can turn on a setting where it will show you more the cards more often. So anyway, all of this is to say it's a really great implementation. I'm loving it, but I have not seen any data from any of my other apps. And there are quite a few I have checked on in the settings. So like Streaks, uh, OmniFocus. So I I was uh, going back and forth on Twitter with the Omni group about this, and they sent me some documentation to their website, which basically explains that third parties have no control over when and how often data shows up on the watch face. It's entirely dependent upon Apple to predict your, but based on your usage, when to show you these cards, which is such a bummer because like I like the whole reason I wanted this feature to work is because I didn't want to interact with the OmniFocus watch app. I wanted to just like, I wanted the Siri watch face to sort of become a replacement for a lot of apps I use just to show me passive data. Um, which is a real bummer. Like, cause then it's like, okay, well do I have to use the watch app now to get it to show up? And even then can I depend on it to show up in any kind of consistent way? Like Apple's Siri watch face has not been that consistent in the past. Like there were times last year where it wouldn't even show me my morning alarm for the next day. So uh, I, I don't know. and Oh, and I'll only add to that complaint that I have interacted with the OmniFocus Watch app constantly since they sent me that documentation and have still not seen one single watch card on the watch face. Yeah, so that's interesting because I've actually had better luck. First of all, Carrot somehow makes it where it's always on my watch face. And there was a setting in the app that was like, how often do you want this to appear? So I don't understand Omni's reasoning. And I'm not judging them because I'm in no way a software developer. I have no idea. But I do know that Carrot's making it work. And and I, there will be we will discuss this again in a future episode because I had a bit of a uh, – how did I – a third life crisis, not a crisis in third life, but – a, instead of a quarter life or a half half life crisis or whatever it's called midlife that's what i was going for it was like a third <laughs> i'm in my 30s right okay so um and i tried omnifocus because you talked me into it and i fell in love with it and i was and then i even announced okay i have moved to omnifocus again and then like 24 hours later i was back into things <laughs> um 
it was it was a strange time in my life. But I'm back in things, and things is consistently there. It's not there right now because it's Saturday, and I literally made sure that nothing was on my to do list for today. So it's not there. But every day that there's been something that I need to do, it's always been on the Siri watch face. So I I don't understand. And like mine right now, I've got carrot and I scroll down. There's my activity. It tells me that um, Auburn football has a game tonight at 630, which is important to me. And it knows that Auburn's my favorite team. Um, I set that up in the TV app and it on my phone and it knows that um, it's got an option to start a running workout because I did that last night. Um, and then it's got a reminder from on my calendar for tomorrow that I'm playing guitar at church in the morning. So um, it, it's got a lot of useful information and it's learning from me. So I, I, I'm pretty happy with it. Do I wish that it was a little more consistent? Yeah, but overall I'm pleased. Yeah, I think what I was looking for was something like what now OmniFocus 3 I have been beta testing for the Mac and using on my iOS devices for the past couple months. And it has this really amazing view of your tasks where you can see them in context of your calendar events in a timeline view. Uh, And it's really, really visually pleasing. It has some issues that I don't need to get into now. But I was kind of hoping for that on the watch. And it just turns out that like, because I know with things, and by the way, I was not, I played around with things, I was able to get a things watch card to show up once, but it only showed up in the opposite direction. Like if I scrolled back through time, it would say, hey, you might have missed this task. But yeah, it- I, that's that's where mine has been too. But the, the fact of the matter is it's always there when I need it. And that's what, like, I just know to scroll the opposite direction to get things. And that's fine because it's more information on my watch face and without me having to add complications. Now to be, to give things some credit, they their watch app is a little bit, easier to actually interact with. Like I have always felt like I can kind of check a few things off on it. Whereas the OmniFocus one is really only good for, well, I, I don't like it. I have issues with it. It's, it's okay for adding a task, but uh, not for really interacting with them much. Um, but it, all that to say, like even the things that things interaction wasn't exactly what I was looking for. And things is not able to set a time-based due date. It can set a reminder but uh, I can't like say this task is due at twelve thirty p.m. Um, so it's still it, even you know if it was working reliably, I wouldn't be able to quite get the result I wanted, which is a little it's a little sad. I guess I was just hoping for this sort of timeline based thing. I think Apple should let developers use and abuse the watch face as much as they want. Yeah, we are still going on watch OS. Um, <laughs> And there's not much of this that I want to edit out, so we'll just have to see how far into this we get. But I do want to mention that audio playback and especially podcasts have gotten such a huge update on uh, on watchOS 5. Overcast, I can actually have a functioning Overcast podcast player on my watch. So when I went for my run last night, I just put in my AirPods, took my had my watch on, and went, left my phone was able to receive text messages if I needed it because I have a cellular watch and just I listen to a podcast, which is what I prefer to do because I hate running. And so if I can just have my mind completely elsewhere instead of reminding myself about how miserable I am, then I I tend to run better. So um, that was super nice. And uh, I, I've used it a lot, even just around the house. I try and put my phone down more, but if I want to listen to something um, – 
I can. So it's it's so nice to have that feature. The transfers of the files to the watch are not a hundred percent reliable. It can get a little funky, but overall, it's been it's it's decent. So, um, and the fact that it can even do it at all is a game changer. How long did it take you to transfer stuff? Yeah, like when you transferred a podcast, like an hour to an hour and a half long podcast. How many minutes did it take to transfer? So it transfers faster if the watch is on its charger. And if it's being charged, it can be like five minutes, maybe even less. Like it can go fairly quickly. But if it's not on the charger, you can still force it to go some of the time. So, you know, let's say one of my favorite podcasts drops in the middle of the day instead of overnight when my watch is on the charger but I really want to make sure I've got it for something later in the day. Um, I can try and get it to go on over to the watch, but it doesn't, sometimes it'll just get stuck at transferring. Um, if it's, if it actually starts going, it'll still only take five to 10 minutes. So it's not terrible. It's just the reliability of, will you go and actually transfer this? Okay. That's still doable. Like if I get a show, if I think, hey, I'm going to run tonight, I'm going to put this show in my watch, but then I just kind of send it to the watch and then carry about my day, it'll be ready for me like by 6 p.m. Assumably, yes. You may need to check on it a couple times to make sure that it has actually transferred um, and not just gotten stuck in, and yeah. tra- in, in not gotten stuck in just transferring. Once you actually start seeing percentages, the percentages will move just fine. It's... It's just going from, okay, I am actually going to transfer to I am transferring now. Okay, that's better than when, because I know we both use Overcast for our podcast. And I mean, this feature existed about a year or two ago, and it was, I think it was taken out of the app because of how slow it was. This is better. I still wish that it wasn't, it sounds like it's a little fussy. It is. It's a little fussy, but it, I mean, it's way better than what it was before. Before, you couldn't see the status of the transfer, and this actually gives you percentages. Um, It is definitely faster um, when it's going. It's just a little bit fussy in that getting started transferring mode. But I have noticed that over the past couple days, um, it has gotten even better about doing it overnight. There are a couple times that it wasn't doing it when it was on the charger, and um, I think he's either put out a new version or – I you know, I'm on the beta – I don't know if he's released the, because this was version five, the 5.0.1 update or not, or if I'm just on the beta, but um, it's uh, it's definitely a lot better now. Cool. So uh, watchOS 5 is pretty solid update. Um, some of the features don't work or have some quirks, at, at least, you know, with regards to how we expected them to work. Um, but it's, it's a really, really solid improvement. Uh, more to come on that, I think, later on our show down the road. But uh, iOS 12 is a very notable update. Uh, it adds a lot of stability and performance and battery life improvements to all devices, especially I think you'll feel it if you're on a, an older, like a two- or a three-year-old or longer ago uh, iPhone. Um, so it's got some some really good features with regards to that, but it also has some... Other new features, one in particular that is very exciting to uh, a productivity nerd like we are. So I'm just going to pile through some of these other 
feet, like the non, how do I phrase this? Okay, well, we're going to talk at length about a feature called Siri Shortcuts in a minute. But I'm going to just, before we get there to that exciting one, I'm going to talk about some of the other things that are in iOS 12. So, and interrupt me whenever you want. Uh, so we've got like tons of stability performance updates. Okay, I'm going to uh-huh. interrupt you right there. You said whenever <laughs> I want. So the the main thing that I want to say is um, I have been using iOS 12 since June. And literally, like when I put the first beta on, I was like, this feels more stable. I'm seeing less crashes and less weirdness than on the shipping version of that was like iOS 11.4.1. My devices felt better on the first beta of 12 and have continued to get better. So I really, I, if you've ever been hesitant to install a major OS update, uh, don't be. Because the fact that we're almost a week into it being out and there hasn't been so some sort of emergency 12.0.1 or anything like that, it speaks to how good this operating system Yeah, and, and rumor has it that there were maybe some bigger features that were going to ship with iOS 12 that were put on the back burner because of how much... Uh, negative press Apple has, re- Apple has received over the past few years about, you know, trying to, like, ruin current devices so that people will buy new phones. Um, I, you know, I think Apple knows that iPhones are iterating at a slower pace and that people don't upgrade every year. And so they're just focusing on stability in a way that will hopefully restore some of that trust. And I, I think it's a good thing. I'm, I'm excited about some of the bigger new features that I've heard rumored about iOS, but uh, more than ever, I'm excited, especially after the negative year of my MacBook that I've had and just how buggy it's been for me. I, I'm really in a phase of my Apple nerd life where I just love things that work the way they always have. And so, yay, go stability. All right. Um, there's a ton of other digital health-related things. We've got new Do Not Disturb features, things like you can tell uh, if you hard press or long press on the moon Do Not Disturb icon, you can tell your phone to, like, Do Not Disturb Me for the next 30 minutes or Do Not Disturb Me until this calendar event is over or Do Not Disturb Me until I leave this current location. Uh, very cool. I've already used it quite a bit. Um, very, very cool. I dig it. Uh, we've got notification management. This is probably the one. This actually might be the feature that has most changed my everyday use of iOS so far in a notably positive way. Because um, just because I interact with notifi- notifications on such a regular basis, uh, notifications are now grouped by app on the lock screen. And if you get one that you decide you do not want to interrupt your lock screen any longer, rather than going into the settings of the phone and drilling down to that app and then editing the notifications, instead you can hard press or long press that notification. And these three little dots, like the little more button, will show up on that notification. You can tap it and then you can choose hey, don't interrupt me about this ever. Um, You can tell me, but don't actually ping my phone. Like when I pick up my phone, you can tell me there, but don't actually like ding or buzz my wrist. Uh, And and a couple of other things, which is such a relief. Like I'm already tweaking this on a daily basis and saving so much time digging through the settings. Like it, it just makes so much sense for apps that 
maybe I'm like, I turn it on and I'm like, yeah, of course I want to be notified by this new app. And then I regret that decision only a few hours later. So it's very cool. It's changed the way I use my phone in a big way. Um, the next one is screen time, which was to me the buggiest feature while using the betas this summer. Um, so I'm excited to use it. Maybe like it's going to be more interesting, I think, once we've been using our phones for a couple months on uh, iOS 12. But basically what this does is it measures how much time you spend in different apps. Uh, it has charts and graphs showing you which kinds of apps you use and for how long. It tells you how many times you pick up your phone a day. Yeah, uh, that one's the one that hurts. <laughs> oh, wait. Should we have a moment of honesty right now on the show? Oh, no. I'm not ready for that right now. Oh, okay. I haven't I haven't looked in a few days, and I don't want to look. Also, I left my phone in another room, so... Well, it's on my iPad, too, so never mind, but... Um, Okay. You're not you're not ready to to you know this that would be too intimate for a it podcast. It would, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially just a little extra credit one. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, so more on that later. But yeah, you can also create some settings in this part. This by the way, screen time is in the settings. So you go to settings and then it's uh one of the first options you see available. Um you can actually within that page of settings, there are some settings for screen time a couple of which including hey don't let me use these apps uh between bedtime hours so between like 10 p.m and 7 a.m don't let me use instagram or whatever app tempts you late at night um you can this is not actually in the screen time settings but you can also have um when you pick up your phone in the morning you can set it so that instead of showing you this long list of all the emails and text messages you missed you can get greeted with this beautiful, like, good morning screen. Here's the weather for the day. Um, it's very nice, although I'm usually greeted to my alarm yelling at me first thing in the morning and not that screen, unfortunately. Yeah, me too. So that's really nice. You can, like, whitelist some apps. So it's like, hey, these apps are okay between bedtime hours. There's a ton of stuff you can do. It's great. Yeah, Um I'm going to jump in and talk about what might be my favorite feature of iOS 12 aside from shortcuts, and that is that third-party apps can now use the um, password autofill section. So if I'm on a website or a, a an app where it used to just have your iCloud password suggestions at the bottom, now 1Password can automatically fill that in. And uh, as soon as I got the beta release of that, I freaked out. It has saved me so much time um, and still allows me to use super secure passwords but not um, – not have to hit the share button and then open the one password extension. And especially with face ID on the iPhone 10 and hopefully soon a new iPad. Um, it's, it's just awesome. So it, I'm, I'm speechless right now. Yeah, it's really good. All right. So FaceTime has got some updates. Um, so you can now put an emoji over your face and FaceTime uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think there are some, like, you can, like, draw on the screen or add some stickers to FaceTime conversations on that. Yeah, well, I know you can do that in messages. I haven't done it in FaceTime. I honestly haven't even opened FaceTime yet. I, the, the headlining feature that was announced was that you can now 
group chat in FaceTime, although I think that's been delayed for a future version. Yeah, it was pulled from the 12.0 release, but it's back in the 12.1 beta. So um, hopefully, along with new iPads and stuff, that'll launch next month. Cool. Yeah, I hope so, too. That's I was really looking forward to that and was kind of bummed when it wasn't shipping. So, But I'd rather it be right. Yeah, for sure. All right, you ready to talk about our favorite thing? Been ready all episode. Okay. Siri shortcuts. Um, I mean, there are a zillion places on the web to read about exactly what Siri shortcuts are. Uh, you know, Federico Vitici on Mac Stories, Matthew Casanelli, who used to work for Workflow and now kind of freelances helping people use iOS automation. Um, they're, they have really detailed explanations. So I don't feel like we need to to get into that. Um, but I mean, basically, Siri shortcuts is two things. There's one where you can just teach Siri how to do certain things. You can record a phrase and it will remember how to do something that you just did. That's the fastest way to do it. And people have been referring to those as system shortcuts. Um, and then there's the shortcuts app, which is basically Workflow 2.0. So if you had Workflow on your device, uh, as soon as you updated iOS 12, you there was a software update for the workflow app that turned it into shortcuts. And so, and then you can tie system shortcuts into the shortcuts app, making it way more powerful. Um, so really, we are going to go through and talk about some of our favorite apps that have added shortcuts. Um, just kind of really quick what you can do with those apps as examples of system shortcuts. And then because you can tie system shortcuts into the shortcuts app, you can make them part of longer, more powerful automations. Yeah. I just want a quick comment. I, I do think that the, so the step, just to kind of recap what you're saying and, you know, just tell Please me do, if, I, yeah. if I'm on it. Yeah. So step one, I, I almost think of there as being sort of three ver- ways of using a shortcut. I guess maybe it's just, this is two ideas just explained differently. Um, step one is Apple. There are certain actions that Apple apps and third-party apps can designate as things that when you do that action in the app, now Siri can predict to you at certain times, hey, do you want to do that action again uh, based on usage, much like the Siri watch face. Right. It's exact. That's like the example of I went for that run last night and now for my later in the day on my watch face, there's a starter running workout. Right. Like, so, hey, you around this time yesterday, you looked at this is my favorite one. You looked at your sleep, how many hours of sleep you've been getting in that Apple Health app. Hey, do you want to look at that now? Or, hey, you created a note in the Bear Note app around this time yesterday. Do you want to create a new note there? Basically, stuff that third party apps and Apple apps can that things that can be shortcutable will now be predicted when you go to the search on your iPhone when you drag down from the middle of the app home screen. So that's like step one. Step two is that in these apps you can actually assign a Siri phrase which will launch them. Now this is the problematic step because I think Apple wants shortcuts to be very discoverable, and so far every single third-party app. I have used has a different way in their user interface of getting me to the screen where I assign a Siri shortcut. Then, of course, you can also do it in the Siri settings of the settings app, which is a little confusing. I wish Apple's own apps 
had better support for Siri shortcuts so that maybe they could model for third-party apps, hey, here's the appropriate user interface for how inside of your app you can allow a user to take the available shortcuts and set up a phrase for them. Yeah, and just to add on to that, aside from being able to assign specific actions in an app, if you go into that Siri and search uh, item in your settings, you will see some of those shortcuts that you mentioned that the system is already figuring out for you. So if I call my mom um, then and then immediately open the Siri and search settings, one of the suggested shortcuts will be call mom. Now I can already, and then I can teach Siri the command. Now Siri already knows the command call mom, so I don't need to do that. But um, those activity-based ones will appear and you can assign a phrase to them as well. And so then step three is the shortcuts app itself, which we're going to do an episode about later. But basically now you can do all, you can create custom uh, launchable shortcuts, which launch with a tap of a button, which chain together all of the available actions that used to be in the workflow app. But in addition, you can now include Siri shortcuts from the system in these. So that call mom step can now be a step within a greater shortcut that the user designs in the shortcuts app. Yeah. So what are some of our favorite Siri shortcuts that are available in third-party apps? So one of the ones that I am starting to use is, uh, and we we will talk more about this app later because you and I keep texting about it, but it's called Keep It. And um, I'm using it as kind of a digital filing cabinet Um, And so you can just create shortcuts to certain folders and things like that. So if I I keep all my scope and sequences for the school year in a certain folder, I can create a series shortcut that says – that I can say open scope and sequences and it immediately pulls up that folder. And what's nice about this is it's native. It's not using URL schemes. And so it's easier to understand for the user. It's easier to create. You're not having to figure out all these URL commands because keep it can do that. And you used to be able to trigger that from the workflow app, but now I can do it from Siri or I can do that as part of a longer shortcut in the shortcuts app without having to learn a URL scheme. I'm going to skip around in our outline and just talk about another app that has support for opening files. Mm-hmm. Omni Outliner has uh, similar support, and this is really useful. You know, Omni Outliner's file picker does not immediately open to the screen that a lot of Apple third-party app, a lot of third-party apps will do what Apple's own apps do, where like you launch a productivity app and then you immediately are taken to an interface where you can pick the file you want to open. Uh, Omni Outliner doesn't have that. So it's got like a, like a custom screen that shows up first. So what I like to do now is I can create a phrase where Siri will basically open my lesson plan of the day, which is in Omni Outliner. And that saves me like a bunch of tapping around in the morning when I'm trying to get that all set up. So what I'm looking forward to is maybe down the road being able to combine this with Hopefully, maybe GoodNotes is looking into this feature because I use Omni Outliner side by side with my seating charts, which I open in GoodNotes so that I can scribble on them and annotate them with an Apple Pencil. So I'll kind of tag on to that. Um, I've been using Bear for my lesson planning. And um, Bear, you can um, 
save searches to Siri. You can open specific notes. And so really, a lot of times right now, I'm keeping um, Bear and Keep It open together. So I'll be typing up a lesson plan in Bear while looking at a scope and sequence in Keep It or something like that. And so I'm excited about the possibility. And now you can't launch split screen, but let's say I went ahead and had both of those apps paired together, then I could verbally tell Siri to run a shortcut and it would open different files in each of those apps. Um, I haven't gotten to that point yet to know exactly how that'll work, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the potential for it. Yeah, me too. That sounds awesome. So again, just piggybacking off that same concept of opening documents. Uh, Ulysses, are, uh, this is an app that We've both used from time to time for writing and plain text. Uh, I draft all of my emails and blogs and other various writings in this app. And it, too, has a feature where you can create a phrase to open a very particular folder or document right within the app. Let's, let, why don't we uh, battle out our task managers right now? And uh, I'll talk about Things. Um, things has a really cool implementation of Siri shortcuts. You can create templates for tasks and then use Siri to create that task. So for example, um, I have created one for making up late work. So, or, or sorry, if, if a student was absent and I need to give them a, uh, re give them a test or something, um, I've created a things template that goes into the Siri shortcuts app that I've typed all the names of my kids into, which, as Robbie pointed out, was a little tedious, but it, you know, was two minutes of my life that I get back regularly already. And uh, it will create a, then a task that says make up, and then it, um, I'll be prompted to give the name of the assignment um, when it opens things. And it, I select which students and it copies those to the clipboard and then things pulls those student names in from the clipboard to make a checklist inside of that task. And then it opens things and everything's already filled in. All I have to do is type in the name of the assignment and then hit saved. And it's already set for me to be due, um, in a few days. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm I'm doing with OmniFocus. I'm actually not really going that deep yet. I've I've got I'm really letting the whole shortcuts thing take a slow burn effect on me. But uh, I will say that even just this one feature has gone a long way for me. The ability to create a phrase to launch me into a particular list, project, tag, or perspective within OmniFocus. So to be able to say, hey, show me my forecast view, and to just be taken directly to that perspective in OmniFocus or, hey, show me my priority list, which is all of my things that I can be working on today, but that are flagged. So it's great. It saves a lot of time. Yeah. Uh, I, I forgot to mention things can do that as well. So um, it, it has been a huge time saver. I've got a current working shortcut where it, it's like my take me to work shortcut, which gets dr- driving directions to work. Um, starts playing a podcast from Overcast. I guess we should talk about that next now. And also shows me my forecast view for OmniFocus so that, you know, if I have any work that I need to do right when I get to my desk, I'm kind of being reminded of that while I'm starting the ignition. So it's cool. Nice. 
Uh, yeah. So Overcast, man, did did Marco Arment, the creator of Overcast, go all in with series shortcuts? Basically, if you can do it in Overcast, you can assign a series shortcut. So skipping forward a chapter, playing a certain pl- playlist, playing a certain podcast, um, jumping back. 30 seconds, jumping forward 30 seconds. I mean, um, resuming playback of the most recent podcast you had playing. Um, it's, it's really, really good. And so then that can be like Robbie said, put into other longer, uh, shortcuts. So just like Robbie said, I have one for when I'm going home and it uses the ETA app to give me how long it's going to take me to get home based on traffic. It texts my wife and says, hey, I'm on my way home. Siri says, I'll be there in 25 minutes. And it doesn't, it does that in the background. I don't even see that go through. Um, then it says, then Siri tells me, hey, I let your wife know you're on your way home. And then it starts playing my podcast cue. So it's super awesome. I like, I genuinely get excited about getting in the car and doing that every time still. Yeah, morning and night routines and going to and from work routines were the very first shortcuts. And how do we, we need to see, we had this problem with workflow. Like, is it a workflow workflow or is it uh, just a way of doing your work? Now we have the same problem of when I say I, I have a shortcut, how do I tell you that I created a shortcut in the shortcuts app versus, hey, this is a, an action step that can be assigned a Siri phrase? So, uh, I like some some podcasts I've heard are using the phrase system shortcut for um, for ones that are just like an action that you've taught Siri how to do. I don't like that, though, because that implies so when I think system, I, I just think of things that are native to the OS. Like to me, a system shortcut would describe something that like the Apple Notes app can do or that, you know, like like turning on and off. Do not disturb. Okay, well, we'll work it out. Okay, yeah. Oh my goodness, how have I forgotten this? The other great thing about shortcuts is HomePod support. So now I can tell Siri on my HomePod, play my podcast cue, and it talks to Overcast on my phone and starts airplaying my podcast straight to the HomePod. And it is amazing. And I can say uh, to my HomePod, check the weather, and I get a snarky carrot weather response instead of just Siri's weather app response. It is awesome. Yeah, another good one is uh, telling the, just speaking out into thin air, hey, I drank eight ounces of water, which is a waterminder customizable shortcut. And then just having that, even though that's an app that only exists on my iPhone, having the HomePod log the water for me is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and we, we mentioned Carrot just a second ago, and Carrot, of course, is fantastic because they do they implement all the new system features. So I'm just going to mention two more really quick quickly that I use together, um, and that is drafts. And basically, if there is a drafts action, you can assign it to Siri. And this is really best for um, drafts actions that create a template for you. Um, so I have one for a template for show notes for this show. And that creates a new uh, a new draft that I put in the name of the episode, and then I can start typing all of our show notes and save that. But then Ferrite 
which is the podcast recording. And I know this is super inside baseball because I don't know how many of our listeners have podcasts of their own, but this is so much fun that, and speaks to the potential of what Siri can do, but um, what Siri shortcuts can do. But Ferrite just had a big 2.0 release and you can create podcast templates. And so I can now combine in the shortcuts app, a template that says, um, create a new episode of the class nerd podcast in ferrite and it pulls up all the eq presets and all the things i have set up in there and then runs my template thing in drafts so that it creates that and i'm ready to go with just one siri command yeah that is beyond amazing and makes me think as i have always thought that it's interesting the ways that mobile devices in some respects can do some things that the Mac cannot. Um, I, I'm like trying to think like, am I going to expect to be able to use Siri on the Mac to create a custom template in logic pro anytime soon? Uh, I, I don't see that happening. Yeah, and probably not. That's largely because the shortcuts app was workflow, which was built for iOS. And I don't know that I see Apple using that team to develop something similar for the Mac. Um, but of course the Mac has the automator and Apple script and, and you know, there's the project marzipan stuff coming in next year's Mac OS release where it'll be easier to move iOS apps to the Mac. So, I mean, there is potential, but not anytime soon, probably. Yeah. Very cool. Well, this is by far our longest episode, but it's bonus content. It's extra, it's extra credit. So I'm not super upset about it. And I've had fun talking to you today. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm so excited about these features, and you're, you know, one of the only people who installs them on day one where I can test them all out with. So it's For cool sure. to kind of, yeah, cool to chat about our first weeks of experience with these two new OSs. Um, you might look forward to hearing some more extra credit should Apple choose to have an iPad and Mac event later this fall. Um, otherwise, we're talking about some other possible bonus episodes and we are currently planning semester two of this very show for possible release later in the fall early winter um so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about i mean we got some thank you those to uh, those of you who filled out our survey at the end of semester one um and if you haven't filled that out we'll put the link to that in the show notes because we're still we'd love your input on uh, on semester one and how we can make semester two better. So uh, we've gotten really good feedback and are excited about what's coming, but we'll always take more. And also in the show notes, you will find some links to subscribe to us. We would love it if you enjoy this show in the least. It just takes a couple taps to give us a star rating of your choice. We're currently a five-star podcast. but Really? I haven't yeah. even looked. That's exciting. Yes, we are a five-star podcast um america's favorite five-star podcast called the class nerd um <laughs> excellent so um, the accolades are pouring in they sure are we have i think there are six reviews but we would love to have seven so <laughs> yeah right in I, if you if you like it write us a review yes please do and i'm gonna go read those reviews right now so um, well, this has been super fun, Robbie, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to what's going to come in semester two. Me as well. 
Until then, stay classy. And stay nerdy. <laughs>